So you purchased a piece of furniture at a sale to refinish and you decide to paint it with milk paint. But you're wondering if the original finish that will show through where the chippiness takes place will look good. Well, today we are chatting with milk paint owner Kristen Litka with Shacto Interiors Milk Paint to discuss that and talk about her new color she has introduced to her milk paint line. We also have the pleasure to talk to Alyssa with the Spruced Up Home. This on-the-go successful refinisher is a mom and serves in the U.S. Army. She is in this week's Artist Spotlight segment. Grab a cup of coffee and or a zebra paintbrush and enjoy today's episode of Zebras Before and After. I'm your host, Lane Ball. Today's Zebra Spotlight segment is with Alyssa of the Spruced Up Home. Alyssa was selected for the Zebra Drama back in September. She had transformed a desk vanity into two nightstands. It's a fun transformation to see. It definitely met the criteria of dramatic, which is why it received the Zebra Drama. Hi, Alyssa. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Lane. How are you doing? It's so great to be here with you today. Uh, It's great to have you on. You know, it isn't too often that I get to chat with a fellow North Carolinian. This is pretty cool. It is. It is. And, um, you know, I I didn't know that we were both in North Carolina at the same time. So I don't know where I've been. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Now, have you always lived in North Carolina? I have not. Um, I'm actually stationed out here. I'm in the I'm in the United States Army. So wow. this has been my home now for the last four and a half years, and I'm I'm getting ready to transition out of here soon in the next couple of months. So oh no, you're leaving our state. I am. Yes, it comes uh, with the job. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's it's wonderful to to have you a part of the military protecting us. What an honor that is. We appreciate you very much. Thank you. I appreciate your support. Well, so living in North Carolina, you know, I always tell people one of the the great things about North Carolina is you got the mountains, you got the Piedmont, you got the ocean, you know, as if you had spare time, which I doubt you have a lot of spare time. If you did, would you go to the ocean or would you go to the mountains? I honestly would prefer the mountains. And I think that stems from my love of the state of Colorado. I was stationed there for about uh, five years before I came here. And, and, and I just, I, I grew to love it. You know, I I almost want to tell people every time they ask me, where are you from? I'm like, I just want to say Colorado. Like I wish I was from there. Um, So yes, I, I I most definitely would, would want to, I would choose the mountains over the ocean. Yeah, that's I, I. You know what? We go to the ocean uh, occasionally. We try to go at least once a year. Sometimes a couple times a year. But there's something about the mountains that, um, and I know people are like, "No, the ocean." But it, it's just I don't know. It's just such a. It's so peaceful. I mean, I know the ocean is peaceful too, but I don't know. There's something about the mountains that just I don't know. It's very pleasant. It's a different perspective for me. Mm-hmm. Both sceneries will humble you and make you realize how small you are. But yep. something about being up in the mountains and high up in the air just really brings you back, grounds you, is yep. what I call it. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Well, since you're in North Carolina, I'm in North Carolina. How about you do the pleasure of telling our listeners what's going on in North Carolina with the weather? Oh, so the weather. Well, right now I'm I'm sitting in my car, so I make sure, you know, nobody's here to interrupt me. So the weather is 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 hot to say is yeah. to say to to put it um 
short and I think it's probably about maybe 73, 74 degrees. Um, but it's beautiful out, you know, partly yeah. cloudy. You know, I, I think I might just go be a meteorologist after this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll support you all the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Boy, it has been unusually uh, warm for this time of year, hasn't it? It is. It is. But I love it. I'm originally a Floridian, so... Anything awesome. warm is okay with me. And I was telling my family not too long ago, I said, if I could move to a place where it's 73 degrees year round, I would be just the happiest person in the world. I don't like the cold. So I will never, you'll never hear me complaining about the heat at all. As I've gotten older, I've just really grown to appreciate the warm weather, the summertime, spring, summer, right. and part of fall. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, it's been, I- I'll take, unlike you, I'll take this warm weather as long as we can get it, because we know that winter is just around the corner. Just around the corner, exactly. It's bittersweet for me. I'm, I'm, I'm a fall lover. I absolutely love the fall. It's my favorite season of the year, but there's always that thing in the back of my mind that's telling you it's about to get cold. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want it. I don't want the cold that's at right. all. I'm not ready. Yeah. Well, let's talk furniture refinishing. How long have you been refinishing furniture? So... I've been refinishing furniture um, for, in 2020, I started in late 2014. Um, So what is that? Maybe about five years now, almost six years. Mm -hmm. Yes. Wow. Two questions, I guess, here. What got you into it? And then is it, because you got a beautiful account of all your pieces, is it mainly a hobby or is it also a business? Like sort of define that for us. So it started, I feel like my, my story is similar to a lot of furniture finishers out there that I've listened to. Um, it stemmed from a necessity, um, a necessity. I had just gotten married and we needed furniture and, you know, you go shopping and you, and you, you don't realize how much furniture costs when you're that young until Mm -hmm. you go out there and you're searching and you're like, wow, this, this is really expensive. I mean, you can easily spend $3,500 on a a good bed set if you want something remotely decent. Mm -hmm. And and if you have to furnish three or four bedrooms, I mean, the cost, it it goes higher and higher. So I started searching on the marketplace and looking for um, furniture that I could, I've always been creative. Uh, So I was like, well, maybe I can do something with it. The funny thing is I didn't know that furniture refinishing was ever a thing. I didn't even know it until I started looking on YouTube and realizing, wow, people actually do this. So that's kind of how I got into it. It stemmed from necessity. Now, in present day, earlier this year, I decided to finally turn it into a business. And um, I filed for my articles of organization and became an LLC. So I do offer this service now um, to clients as uh, as a service um, where I will refinish their furniture, their pieces, mm-hmm. or I do keep an inventory on hand for them to select from. Wow. Well, congratulations on being an LLC. That uh, I know that's a big decision. But having done it, you know, for a number of years and really understanding the process and, you know, really developing your talent, it sounds like it's a perfect time to to have a business or to establish a business. So congrats on that. 
Thank you so much. Well, I like what you wrote on your Instagram post for this particular project that we're going to discuss. You stated, I wish I could articulate the amount of work that goes into each of my pieces. You go on to say, I genuinely treat each project like a work of art. And that is so well said, Alyssa. You are creating works of art. Let's let's dive into talking about these nightstands. And, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, because a lot of times, sometimes it's hard to distinguish between uh, whether it's a desk or a vanity, and I know you 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 made them into end tables, nightstands. Yes, I did. So first and foremost, it was really surreal to hear you read back something I said. I've never had anybody read something back to me <laughs> as a quote from myself. So that was kind of surreal. I was like, wow, I did say that, didn't I? Huh? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but um, yes. Yeah, so it was originally a. Um, it was a vanity. Um, and sometimes it is hard to distinguish. Um, the biggest telltale sign of what it is for me is, well, does it come with a mirror or doesn't it? And this uh -huh. one happened to come with a mirror and that gotcha. um, tells me, okay, well, then this was originally intended to be a vanity. But sometimes people do use them as desks as well. Well, I guess somebody who's extremely self-absorbed could put a mirror on the desk and stand there or sit there and work and look at themselves. Mm -hmm. there, right? <laughs> exactly. If you were, yep, you know, that would, that would definitely suit them um, perfectly. Well, let's, let's do this because we always make the assumption that even though we encourage people to go out to the Zebra blog or your account to look at these pieces, and we hope they do eventually if they can, but oftentimes people are listening while they're working or while they're driving. So tell us, we want you to go into the details of, of what this, what you did to transform this piece. But before you do that, just describe what this piece is and what it looks like, colors used and that sort of thing. So it's sort of a combined, you know, answer to the question. Well, the first thing that uh, we always have to do is you have to go out and you select the piece and you make sure that it's perfect. The funny thing about this piece is it was it was different from most pieces because I traveled 45 minutes away to get this piece. Um, and the reason for that is because there I did a transformation of a vanity into end tables about, uh, I can't even remember, maybe a year ago. Mm -hmm. And those went, people went crazy for those here where I'm from. And ever since then, people have been asking me, hey, when you get something else, let me know. I would like to buy it. So it was highly requested that I get these, these, mm -hmm. this piece of furniture. So I was willing to travel 45 minutes away to get it because I already knew I had buyers. So when I brought it back, the first thing that you do when you do furniture refinishing uh, for, I guess, as long as I have, I mean, there's people who've done it longer. You you kind of know how these things come apart. So you, you always separate it from the middle and you take everything off. You know there's going to be some repair work to be done in the middle because there's yeah. nails that are holding it together and things of that nature. But another thing that you that I typically determine from the time that I pick up the pieces some of them you're able to reuse the tops um, because they've already come separate or there's a way that you can router the ends for it to work some of them come with a top that's completely flush throughout and you have to completely remove it and put a new top on it in this case, I needed to build a new top. So I did go through in my stories, my process of selecting the poplar wood from the hardware store and how I glued them up together and all that stuff. It was definitely a very extensive process as far as the tops are concerned. Now, when it comes 
to the body of the piece, the other funny thing about this is the design was not my own. <laughs> my client actually designed it and I just brought her vision to life. Wow, and um, the colors that I use, everybody at this point knows I'm a wise owl re retailer. I'm absolutely in love with their products. Um, the color on the exterior was done in a color called Inkwell by them in their mm -hmm. one hour enamel. And the drawers were stripped completely and restained in a minwax color. I believe it's a uh, English. I don't, I don't want to botch the name, but it's, it's a, it's a brown color by Minwax. I don't want to mm -hmm. say the wrong name. And then the hardware came from D Lawless Hardware. That's where I get a lot of my hardware mm -hmm. from. I love their hardware. Now the legs, here's another funny story about the legs. So, <laughs> and I'm, I'm a completely honest person. Like I think all of my followers know that I tell the, the, the truth all of the time. Like they know <laughs> I mess stuff up all of the time. <laughs> So for the legs, um, and, and that's true for every furniture refinisher, I get so many people messaging me I'm like, man, I'm so happy that you're so honest yeah. about your stuff. It makes me feel better about myself <laughs> right. because I mess stuff up too. Um, but for the legs, my client told me she actually wanted raw wood legs and I forgot and I actually painted them <laughs> blue initially. Uh, the blue, the, the inkwell color that I did for yeah. the rest of the piece. And so when I took the final picture for her and I was like, hey, what do you think? Your, your, your piece is done. She was like, oh, my goodness, I love it. But <laughs> the legs, <laughs> she's like, it looks great like that. But I did want the raw wood. And I was like, oh, man, dang. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. So I actually went in and I didn't strip the legs because I was afraid that you know stripper is very messy i didn't want to get on the rest of the piece because i had done so much sanding and prep work and priming and all of that stuff so i took a faux wood product paint product and i went over the legs and i made it look faux wood which is what you guys are seeing in the picture wow and i did that i took the final pictures i thought it would be great and i took the pictures for her and i showed her and she was like wow that looks good and she loved it up until the point she got to my house and she was like, wait a minute, is that raw wood? And I was like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I said, she's noticing. And she was like, man, that looks really good. But now that you told me that it's not the raw wood, I kind of still want the raw wood. So the story that everybody didn't get to shorten it is I actually had to do it a third time. I stripped the legs and I went in raw. And so the photograph that you guys are seeing isn't even the final product. Really? Yeah, it's not. It's it, the the raw wood is actually the final product, and it came out looking amazing. Um, but I actually never photographed that at that point. I had worked so hard on the piece, I was done. I was done with it at that point. I was like, I think I'm just gonna quit. I'll dissolve <laughs> yeah. my business, and we're just gonna, you know, not even do this anymore. But you know, that's just the reality of furniture refinishing. Yeah. You know, you have your clients. I never want my all of them know. I never want them to have buyer's remorse. And almost everybody who's ever bought something from me once has come back again for me to do something a second time. So I definitely, you know, like to build that type of relationship with my clients. Well, you can't get any higher accolades than that than to get returning customers. That says a lot. Right. I, I'm just really surprised. I mean, the legs, the, the tone of the legs and everything look like they go really well with the, the wood in, on the front. It does, yes. And, and that's the thing about furniture is it can look good 
multitude of ways. And I personally loved it like that. Um, but it's at the end of the day, it's the client's piece and I'm yeah. going to give them what they want. But that's the reason I never did post another photo is because I, I did enjoy it the way that it looked. So I thought, you know what, we're just going to keep that and roll with it. Yeah. Now, do you do all of the structural work yourself? Do you have anybody to help you with that? Or is that just something you enjoy? I do. I do do all the structural work myself. I always, I, I used to get a little jealous when I saw other women, they have their husbands helping them and all this stuff. But then I realized, you know, what am I, and I, I say jealous very loosely. I wasn't like yeah. jealous, like wishing I had that because I've always loved woodworking and working with wood and, and doing all of that stuff myself. But sometimes, you know, it does get a little cumbersome when I have to lug huge dressers and, um, you know, huge pieces of furniture in and out of my house in my trailer. That's the part that I do wish I had a little help on. But as far as all the structural work, that's 100% me when I rebuild my tops and, you know, all of the routering and planing. And that's 100% my work. Wow. Well, that's, that's excellent. Well, let me ask you this. How would you rank the effort put into this piece on a scale of one to 10, one being the simplest and 10 being the most complex requiring a ton of effort? <laughs> so it's so ironic because you look at these two end tables and you think to yourself, especially when I picked it up, I said, this is going to be easy. I'm going to just go in. I have my game plan set up. It's going to be easy. But if I were to rank it on a scale 1 to 10 for these small end tables in comparison to all of the big pieces of furniture I've done in the past, it is definitely a solid 8.5. I put so much work into these end tables, you would not believe. Uh, I mean, from the stripping, yeah, the, the emblems on the front, those... Um, moldings on the front the wood carvings i had to strip around those and sand around them and you know rebuild the top from the the poplar and sand that down router the corners i mean and then you know the leg situation that i just went into to replacing the casters um all of that work it was just it was a lot and yeah. i think at that point i was i was over it at the end that's why i never retook any photos i was like <laughs> I, so I i love my furniture i have a joke where, where every time i get rid of my furniture I, I play a sad song on my stories and i put like crying baby faces when it leaves and people <laughs> always enjoy that that's that's kind of my thing oh, that's um, really but i was i know i was so sad to see them go but at the same time i was like ooh. <laughs> thank, thank the Lord that they are finally out of my house because yeah, it's, they it's, brought me so much stress. It's kind of a love-hate <laughs> relationship with it at it that is. point, isn't it? It is. It's interesting because when I was asking you that, uh, you know, question from one to ten, I thought in my mind after hearing the story with the legs that it would be close to a ten mm -hmm. because. There, you know, when stuff like that happens, it just becomes, it can become cumbersome. Especially right. if you have other things going on as well. But um, I, Exactly, which I did, but I'm always happy to do it for my clients. Now, you mentioned the moldings on the front of the piece that you said you had to sand around. I, I'm curious, and maybe some other folks there have this question as, as well. I would assume those were pieces that, uh, those were on the original, so there wasn't anything you added. No. And mm -hmm. so are those just glued onto the piece, you know, back in the day when this piece was created? And if so, how careful do you have to be when you're sanding around something like this? Because I, I would assume you could depending on what tools you're using, you could destroy the mold. 
Yeah, so that is a very good question. And uh, also part of the reason why it's at an 8.5 is <laughs> I did try to pry them off because sometimes you are able to get them off. However, these particular molds, and I will say a, a lot of the molds that I've worked with are nailed in with small nails. And a lot of the times they do glue the back of them. Now, mm -hmm. it just depends how old the piece is and maybe how well it was kept, how strong that glue is still holding. For these, when I did try and, and, and pry them off, I actually broke a small corner of one of the molds. And at that point, I stopped and I said, you know what? We're just going to strip this because it wasn't my original intention to strip it. It was just going to be sanding. Um, but when you do run into that situation and you don't want to destroy something because once it's gone, it's gone. I was like, it's it's safer just to strip it. So I grab my stripper and you strip around yeah. it. And and it's and and at, when you do the stripping process, it's actually for me a lot easier than sanding. And and there's a little bit more play because you're not worried about you know ruining the integrity of the, you know the the mold and things yeah. of that nature. So I really didn't have to be too careful. Um, but when it did come to sanding, you know, in between some of the little curves in there, I did have to go in with some sandpaper by hand because you can't use your your sanding machine or whatever it is that mm -hmm. you use. You have to do it by hand and go in and sand, you know, kind of those little spaces. So it was cut quite tedious and I was worried about damaging it. So, yes, in, the, in those situations, I would just tell people kind of analyze for moldings. Um, I recommend just strip it, especially if you're worried about ruining the shape of it. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's really great advice, especially when you get into the details of these pieces. And and a lot of a lot of these old furniture finishing pieces have the you know have a lot of detail. And I know you're trying to maintain the integrity of the piece as much as possible from a structural standpoint. So good uh, right. good input there. Well, Alyssa, congratulations on creating these beautiful nightstands. It's fun to produce something that will be passed down from generation to generation. And I know that uh, you enjoy that. I do. I absolutely do. Um, any chance that I get to preserve um, a piece of history, um, especially when it comes to furniture, I will. I'm always down and love to do it. Well, share your Instagram account with our listeners. So if they're not currently following you, they can do that today. Yes. So if you guys aren't following me and you like to see um, new content with furniture and also um, now I've started real estate ventures. Um, you can always follow me at the Spruced Up Home um, on Instagram and also the Spruced Up Home on Facebook. Thanks, Alyssa. Happy refinishing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lane. It was good talking to you. This podcast is sponsored by Zebra, makers of the high-end yet affordable line of application-specific paintbrushes. Did you know that we now offer special paintbrush kits on our new website, enjoyzebra.com? We currently have five kits that you can choose from. Here is a quick list to whet your appetite. A four-piece furniture kit, a five-piece detail kit, a five-piece best-of zebra kit, a three-piece crafting kit, and a four-piece room makeover kit. All of the kits come in a very cool canvas bag with a zipper, and all but one come with free shipping. If you haven't signed up to receive our newsletter on our new EnjoyZebra.com site, please take a few minutes to do that today. You will be in the know with specials, giveaways, tips, and more. Plus, new subscribers get 10% off their first order. One of the things we enjoy about hosting monthly contests is that we get to partner with paint companies. This gives refinishers the opportunity to try new paints and expand their refinishing offerings. 
One of those companies that has always been eager to participate and is very generous in the prize contributions is Shacto Interiors Milk Paint. Shacto is our Zebra Review Paint Prize sponsor for the month of October 2020. Today we're going to talk with refinisher, shop owner, Shacto Interiors Milk Paint owner, Kristen Litka. That's a lot of hats, Kristen, and I didn't mention wife and mom. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you? Doing really good. I love fall. I don't want fall to go too fast, but I do enjoy this time of year. Yeah, well, you can't complain because you don't get the cold weather like we do up here <laughs> and the snow. So <laughs> that is very true. You know, I have to I have to say this though, because where you live has to be one of the most desirable fall places in the country. Now, do you guys in a normal fall season, that is, do you get a lot of tourists checking out the colors? Um, we do a little bit, I would say probably a little more up towards New Hampshire, Vermont and Maine. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think we, we would probably be a good starting point. A good road trip. Yeah. Yeah. So give us a weather and fall color report. How is it this year? Um, so far so good. I feel like a little earlier in the season it, it was chilly and then I was getting depressed, like, why can't we just have those last couple hot days? And, <laughs> um, and then it kind of warmed up. So it's actually been, it's been pretty nice. And the, the leaves are definitely changing now. So um, I do love fall, but I know, you know, the end result is um, just cold, snow, ice, dirty snow. <laughs> for months and months. <laughs> no, that's hard. That you know, I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but um I was born in Michigan and only lived up there till I was eight, but I do have enough of a recollection of what it was like, you know, and it man, I sympathize with you because those winters are long and they're hard. So maybe it won't be a tough winter. Maybe it'll be milder than than expected. You know, it's funny because you said just a few seconds ago that it warmed up. I don't know if you guys got the kind of warming trend that we've had down here in North Carolina, but the other day it was 80. And then today, I think it's supposed to be 77. So it's oh, been, wow. yeah, it's been really Yeah, that's nice. Warm. Yeah, it is. I know. And I've just been like, you know what? I am okay with that. <laughs> I mean, <it's, laughs> just enjoy it while we can. Right. Well, we want to ask you about your new color you have added to your color lineup. Tell us about it. Okay, yeah, so our new color is called Ravenswood, and it's actually named after um, a park down the street from the shop. It's like, a, you know, a trail, a nice um, hiking trail. I decided that since this color was like an earthy green, we decided on that color because uh, all pretty much all my colors are named after local spots around Cape Ann and Manchester by the sea. So basically I, I did a custom for someone who picked out this really pretty green and I, I liked it and wanted to make my own version of it. So I did some mixing of the milk paint and came up with this color and people seem to like it. Oh yeah. It's got uh, some, it has warm undertones to it. Right. Yeah, it's a nice green and with kind of brown, you know, earthy mm -hmm. undertones. 
Are any of the colors that you've ever developed, have they ever been by accident? Um, actually, yes, that's a good question because one of my most popular colors, which is sea glass, was a complete accident. I was trying to make a sort of turquoise summery blue color and then I just kept throwing in different colors and all of a sudden I was like, I really like this color. <laughs> and it wasn't anything I was trying to make. So um, that kind of stuck and that happens to be one of my most popular colors. Yeah, I've seen that a lot as well in the Instagram feed. You know, I'm just always sort of baffled at this, but when you, and I've talked about this before about mixing, but when you, like you said, so this, so the sea glass came about as sort of um, an accident, but like, so as you're mixing stuff, you create a color that you like, how do you remember parts and how much of, I mean, do you then have to go back and make it a science so that it can be produced on a mass scale? I mean, how does that work? Right. So you definitely have to measure pretty precisely what colors you're putting in. So I, every time I measure anything, I write it down and I make sure to level off whatever size, like if I'm using a cup or a tablespoon or whatever, I make sure I, you know, completely um, measure that out. So everything's completely the same. Yeah. And just writing things down is huge. <laughs> Every time. Yeah. Wow. That makes me think now when you're in the kitchen cooking, are you like that with cooking? Are you like to the ingredients or do you just like um, throw things I in the pot? I used to be. <laughs> I used to be, but now I'm just kind of like, oh, I'll just throw this in, throw that in. I'm, I'm getting a little more daring with cooking. It's, it's not my favorite thing to do, but. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I've seen I'm not in your feed. huge into cooking. Well, I've seen in your feed some pretty cool salads and look like some <laughs> healthy things you got going on there in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm mostly plant-based, so I have to be, you know, creative on, yeah. on um, what I'm making. And a lot, of, a lot of things aren't cooked, so I try to, you know, eat as much raw as I can. Yeah. So, well, um, yeah, it's a different, different way to cook. Yeah. Well, whatever you do, you surely, uh, make them look very appetizing. <laughs> <laughs> you could tell you're into colors because, you know, some of those salads, they've got some really nice, brilliant colors. I guess you That's just assume you're going to taste well. <laughs> yeah. Because I honestly, when I'm, am cooking, I'm just like, all right, this needs, a little bit of this color. <laughs> like, I don't think I that's how you're supposed to do it, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you enjoy it and it tastes good, then, then you've got, you've scored on that one. You know, I was looking at, uh, getting back to your colors. I was looking, you, you've got, um, I didn't count how many greens you have, but you do have a number of greens and what's pretty interesting about it. I guess this is true for anytime you develop a colors, you don't want them to be so close, you know, that you can't distinguish the difference, but with your greens, they're all really pretty colors and, but they're distinctive. So that's neat right. that you've got a nice array of greens. And this new one, the, the Ravenswood is not, you know, it doesn't represent another green you already have. I mean, it's a, it's unique in, in and of itself. Yeah. So the greens are really popular these days. And I feel like each one of my greens is different. There's village green is a little bit, 
Brida Green, I guess. Mm-hmm. Norton's Point has it's a little bit toned down with some brown undertones. Um, Kettle Cove Green is a nice green with blue in it, and that that one's actually really popular as well. Mm-hmm. And um, Clark Pond Green, which I believe you used on the potato bin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Kristen, man, I was online and I was looking at uh, all your colors. And it's neat because your colors, you use furniture pieces to represent the colors. And, oh, man, I don't want to make a big deal about this. And I listen, I have nothing negative to say about Summer with Pinewood Charm. She's a great refinisher. But <laughs> I see that you have Summer's piece to showcase Clark Pond Green and not the potato bin. Oh, I mean, man. I was pretty down and out. <laughs> I mean, well, I know I'm not a pro. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, I, I, you know, I thought you and I were a good team. We turned out a nice piece with the potato bin. We did. Oh, and wow. listen, you, you send me that picture from the, <laughs> from the video and I'll post it on there. Yeah, but then, then I'll have Summer being like, what's going on? I like being on Showcase on Kristen's website. Yeah, I know. They're, they're keeping tabs on me. I know. Well, for those of you who are wondering what the heck we're talking about, last year Kristen was my coach on a refinishing project, and we purchased an old potato bin, and Kristen guided me through the process. We used Clark Pond Green on the bin. And I was, you know, I was kind of proud of myself. By the way, if you are really curious and you can hop over to our Instagram account at Zebra Painting and go to our IGTV channel and see Kristen's excellent coaching skills and the results. Or maybe if you check back on her website, she might even have, I don't know, maybe at least for a day or two, maybe you'll have a potato <laughs> bin. <laughs> Seriously, I'm only it joking. It totally will. <laughs> Summer's representation of Clark Pond Green is excellent. Uh, we think a lot of summer, so, but I just had to throw that out there. Well, b- back to the new <laughs> color. Um, just, you know, I will, I just want to ask you this with respect to the Ravenswood, how well is it doing? Um, it's doing really well. People have been buying it and posting their pieces and they seem to really like it. And we've also come up with a new fall bundle which includes Ravenswood, Popplestone, mm-hmm. and Dusty Yellow, which are three really nice fall colors. And I feel like people don't give enough credit to Popplestone and Dusty Yellow, which I feel like every time people use it, they love it, but it's not like a color that everybody wants to get. So we decided to put together a new fall bundle with the new color Ravenswood, Popplestone, and Dusty Yellow. So it's three really nice colors for the fall. And that includes the Bonding Agent, Hemp Oil, a two-inch um, zebra sash brush, and the new right. round brush with the stubby handle. Yep. So you end up saving about 15%, I think, off all the products. Wow, that's excellent. And, and you know, kind of getting back to these uh, furniture pieces that you have representing those colors. I mean, everybody needs to go out and look at that because sometimes when you look at a color and then you wonder, will it work on a furniture piece? Well, this sort of solidifies it when you go out and you see the different colors. It really makes you want to try, you know, uh, each one of these colors on uh, a different piece, you know, so hopefully folks will go out. So congratulations on adding to your line and this new fall bundle. That is a great deal. Yeah. Thank you so much. 
Well, we also want to chat about painting with milk paint, specifically what a refinisher needs to consider when painting a piece. Um, you know, when you think about milk paint and it's and how it works, you know, this it's unpredictable and it's known to chip, which is what makes it so unique. Um, so we want to talk a little bit about you know, thinking about painting on the front end, if you're going to take a piece and you're going to paint it with milk paint, what you need to kind of consider here. And so I'm, I'm thinking specifically of this, this scenario. So let's, let's say you purchase an old dresser that has a dark stain finish. Maybe you want to sand back the top and keep it natural, but just paint the body. So with that scenario, would that be a problem visually? Well, I've done pieces in both ways where I had a light top with the body painted and then the areas that chipped have that darker stain. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it works. And I've also have refinished the top and tried to stain to match the existing finish that's poking mm -hmm. through. So I've done it both ways and I don't really necessarily think there's a right or wrong. You know, I think it's kind of a personal preference thing because, you know, they they sell either way and people seem to like them. So I think it's kind of, you know, up to you. Um, a lot of the times I think also with different colors and different colors of wood, you kind of should be mindful of the color you're painting the um, piece and the, the color that's going to poke through. So, you know, some wood's real orangey, some wood's really red, some, you know, are really brown. So I think one thing is you got to figure, you know, what, what color is going to complement the, the wood tone color. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's kind of a big deal to, you know, because that's what it's going to look like the, with the wood poking through with the color. You want it to kind of complement each other. Is there any um, general rules? I mean, I'm, I guess I'm thinking, too, of somebody maybe who's not uh, painted with milk paint and, you know, they've heard the, the, um, that there's a lot of unknowns with milk paint. Everybody likes the way it turns out, and it's a lot of fun to see what happens with the chipping but is but for somebody who's wanting to try it and they're a little bit nervous, is there any general rules about, you know, painting with milk paint? And and just it made me think too when you were talking about making sure the colors complement any uh, complement one another. Is do you ever recommend painting a swath on? Maybe let's say it's the I don't know if the finish is the same on the back of the piece. Maybe doing a swath there to see how it reacts and to see if it looks good with it. Yeah, I mean, you can always do a test spot. Well, I usually ask people, the first thing when they come into the shop, I say, do you like a solid finish or do you like the chippy distress finish? Because a lot of people don't know what I'm even talking about when I say chippy. Mm -hmm. You know, they just assume that milk paint is chalk paint, which, you know, we, we know that's completely different. Um, so the first first rule if you're going to try milk paint is to decide do you want a chippy finish or do you want to try to get a chippy finish because it's not always guaranteed or do you want a solid finish where that's where you would add in the extra bond so I know you with the potato bin we kind of thought you were going to get a bunch of chippy and that didn't really happen 
-hmm. So, you know, I try to explain to people, you know, (laughs) you can, it might chip, it might not. Um, You kind of have to go with the flow, you know, if, if you're a perfectionist and, you know, really have to be in control when you're painting, then, you know, you, you definitely want to use the bonding agent. But if you're a little more adventurous and want to see what happens and you don't use it and, you know, like I said, you could get chippy, uh, you might not, but, you know, either way, you can always distress it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And speaking of the potato bin, you know, maybe I just put too much elbow grease on the sanding on the, on the front end. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had some cat scratch fever on that. That's, oh boy, we did, didn't we? <laughs> Man, the whole top of that thing. And what was so funny is when I did it, I was like, oh, wow, this is looking really good. I, I don't know. It was just kind of a neat effect. And then when I showed it to Coach K, <laughs> she, <laughs> nope, got to strip it down back to the natural. So but I'm glad we did. After we did it, it, it paid off to do that. But yeah, it's interesting uh, how that works. It's funny because after I painted it, I was just like, it's almost like waiting to watch an egg hatch. You know, it's like, okay, what's it going to do? (laughs) Because you you have, you know, you do hear of some cases where, I mean, a lot will chip off. Now, when you, so when you paint your first coat of milk paint, is is there a certain amount of time that you should wait before you put your second coat? I mean, I mean, obviously you want the first coat to dry, but I mean, is it just, dry to the touch, then put your second coat on? I mean, how, how does... Yeah, what it, I mean, typically it dries pretty fast if it's, you know, in mm-hmm. good conditions. Um, I'd say like at least a half hour. But yeah, as long as it's dry to the touch, you know, you, you're good to go for the second coat. Okay, so let's say you put the first coat on and it's drying and there's a lot of chipping that took place. Do you still go ahead and put a second coat on top of that? Um, you know, it really depends on the piece. Sometimes it's best to kind of what if it really starts to chip, I kind of will do a second coat on the areas that really haven't chipped. So mm-hmm. um, I feel like that gives it a better look and I just kind of let it chip where it's already starting. But if you feel like, you know, whoa, that's way too much chip and then you can always sand that area and go over it again or you can add in the bonding agent if it ends up chipping too much but i'll tell you some of my most popular pieces were ones that the paint like almost completely chipped off but it just had like the coolest effect to it and it just really looks authentic like it was painted a hundred years ago you know yeah yeah (laughs) And that's what that is. What's so interesting about it, it uh, and how it develops kind of a character of its own. So standing between coats is just completely, just really, just it's not recommended or not not recommended. I mean, it's up to the individual as to whether you sand between coats. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Um, you know, again, that's personal preference. You know, depending on. Did you, if you use the extra bond or if you didn't, or you got chippy, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it's not mandatory. (laughs) Yeah. I don't feel like the, you know, there's not a a ton of rules to follow with milk paint. I feel like you kind of get into your own 
own groove with it. You know, you might like something, someone else might not like it. So yeah, I just, just feel like it, you know, it can go either way. There's yeah. a lot of different, you know, techniques you can use with milk paint. So that's a really good point. I guess it, it's probably true that out of all the, the, the paint specifically paint for refinishing, it's probably the one paint medium that has the least amount of rules uh, with it. It's if you put it on bare wood, that's the, you know, that the milk paint will just soak right in, you know, mm -hmm. that's, it's really, really nice and uh, durable. These are great tips on painting with milk paint. We have noticed you have really expanded your line of products beyond just milk paint uh, on your website. We're proud to say you carry our zebra paint brushes, but also hardware and Katie Cloud Candles, uh, who is also a sponsor this month, and a lot of other home good items. You must be quite busy, plus your shop. Yes, I mean, I I didn't know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> um, all these years of just being online and having my home studio, um, you know, I, I always thought about having a shop and then you know, unfortunately, I opened during a pandemic, so mm -hmm. I'm not sure what it would have been under other circumstances. But, you know, it's it has been really fun coordinating home decor items with my furniture. And, you know, I feel like when I used to stage my pieces at home and I would just use random things in the house, like a, you know, a vase or, you know, whatever it was, I was using a stage. I feel like a lot of people would message me, where did you get that? Or, you know, <laughs> wasn't even so much like about the furniture, but like, where did you get that frame or whatever? So, yeah. um, I even tried before I had the store to incorporate some home decor on my website. So I did do that for a while, but then I started the milk paint line. So, um, I really focused on that because I loved, milk paint and creating colors and all that. So mm -hmm. yeah, now at the shop, I have everything. I have the furniture, the milk paint, zebra brushes, hardware, um, Katie Cloud candles. I have um, Courtney from Stale Birch. I carry her products, oh, great. which are amazing. Um, she has all natural bath products like mm -hmm. Um, soap scrubs and uh, room sprays and um, body mists that are really nice and they're all natural which I really like um, so yeah it's been really busy <laughs> yeah I'll say so so no regrets I mean as far as opening up the shop having a retail space I mean again we know it's in context of the pandemic but sounds like it's, yeah. it's worked out no, it, it has been great because I have a lot more space. The shop's set up where, you know, retail's out front and I have my workshop, which I'm in right now, in the back. And my husband put in like a old window. So basically I can see out the window, you know, to the front of the store. Mm -hmm. So I, I pretty much work while I keep shop. So. <laughs> oh, wow. you know I'm, i uh i'm always doing something if i'm not working on a piece of furniture i'm rearranging the store and then um you know i have the milk paint business is in a 
I have a whole separate room for that. So that, you know, all the online orders, everything gets done in there. So it's, yeah, it's been really, really nice having the space and it's literally like two minutes from my house. So it's a short commute. Yeah, just the way you described it, you know, I've got this vision in my mind now. So you've got your shop with the furniture pieces and all these great home good items. And then you have this window. You can, I, I assume that people can see in, right? They can look into your... Um, uh, well, I had a, um, a curtain up for the longest time because, you know, I'm not super neat. <laughs> my workshop <laughs> isn't really pleasant to look at, so... I kind of had this like a share curtain where I can pretty much see out, you know, and mm -hmm. I can see if someone comes in and people can't necessarily see back here. But um, the past couple of weeks I've had it up um, just so I can see a little bit better. And but now people can see me in here. So now I've noticed when they come to the back of the shop they're looking in to see what i'm doing yeah see, that's that's exactly <laughs> what i was thinking you know you've seen those like uh you guys may even have them in your in your uh town it's usually quaint little towns you know where they have fudge shops and right, you can right. walk up to the window and you see people at those tables like making fudge and all the you know the ingredients that go into it and you just oh, it's yeah. like that's like a great thing. So you come into your shop, you're looking at the furniture, but you get to go to the back and watch Kristen at work. <laughs> yeah, that's, <great. laughs> yep, that's true. <laughs> you may have like like four or five, six, ten people standing in line or just standing or gathered around looking in as you're like sanding or painting. You could even like cook up one of those little microphones with a speaker. <laughs> <laughs> just make sure you turn it off when you're sanding. Yeah, that's, that's all in my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that, I mean, and, you know, we laugh about it, but I think that's really cool because, you know, your people are able to see, you know, see you uh, what's involved with furniture finishing. Everybody loves to watch things, you know, uh, take place. But, well, that's that's really uh, it's been so great to hear about all the, the different aspects of your business. We appreciate you taking some time out of your busy day to tell us, you know, about your new color. Ravenswood provide us insight into using milk paint. And what is happening in Manchester by the sea? Thanks, Kristen. <laughs> well, it's always a pleasure, Lane. Thank you so much for having me. We are so grateful for each of you, not only for listening to this podcast, of course, but also for using our paintbrushes. We love it when you tag us in your stories and posts showing what applications you're using zebra brushes on. And that is not just furniture refinishing, but also painting your homes. We will always make it our priority to highlight your furniture refinishing works of art on our Zebra Painting Instagram account and Facebook page. But we also want to make sure we highlight notable home projects as well. If you have used your Zebra Paintbrush on a home project and you want us to check it out, make sure you tag your pieces with Zebra Inspo. That's hashtag Zebra Inspo. Z-I-B-R-A-I-N-S-P-O. The Zebra Review Monthly Contest is underway for October, and the theme is, well, you guessed it, October Glory, in appreciation of this season's beautiful fall colors. Entries are open until October 31st, 2020. Just step outside and appreciate all the colors of reds, oranges, yellows, and greens that are so popular in nature this time of year. Use the hashtag TheZebraReview and you'll have your piece before our judging panel as they will choose three winners. This month's guest judge is Joe with Click to Restore. She was our first place winner for August. Great prizes await the winners from Shakto Interiors Milk Paint, D. Lawless Hardware, 
surf prep sanding, Katie Cloud candle products, and Zebra paintbrushes. All pieces refinished from January 1st, 2020 to October 31st, 2020 are eligible for entry. We would love for many more people to discover the Zebra Before and After podcast. Please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast directory. It really does make a huge difference in the rankings. And thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebra Blogs Before and After Furniture Refinishing Podcast. Today's episode is also featured on thezebrablog.com along with contact information for today's guest. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share those by clicking on the podcast slide in our header at thezebrablog.com. That's zebra with an I blog.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and happy refinishing. Happy refinishing.